Check. Check. Chaz, Chaz, what do we do with the mic? Where's the mic? You're listening to Grab the Mic with Colin and Chaz. What's going on, guys? We're here with you here with you today with another episode of Grab the Mic. We're going to be... Oh, uh, shit. Oh, <laughs> these, are, these are getting pretty scary. Um, but anyways, we're, we're going to be switching it up a little bit today. Um, we did go on, on another ghost investigation, but we're going to save that for a later podcast. Hopefully have some people over from uh, TNT. Yeah, TNT Talk, man. Chaz's Girlfriend's Podcast. Um, I'm not going to say it's as good as ours, but it's pretty good. Anyways. Yeah, I wouldn't listen to it. Uh, we <laughs> we took them on an investigation, and we're going to get all into that with you and have, have some actual witnesses, I guess, and then hopefully be on theirs as well. But today, we're going to take it a different direction. We're going to um, talk about one of the most well-known demonic possession cases ever documented, and that is the case the devil made me do it which is if for people that that won't know what that is so uh in a nutshell before we like really get into it so this is a case that uh uh in in my opinion that i like the stuff that i've read into this is kind of something that like kick-started um a deeper investigation into like what's what when it comes to demonic possession and uh just a lot of crazy stuff like the, of course like the exorcism stuff had happened before like prior to this to this because it was 1980 through about 82 83 when this happened and the uh, exorcist case which is obviously was based what the exorcist uh, movie was based on had happened previously so there, there had been a you know an understanding of like what this kind of stuff was and how crazy it was but i feel like this one kind of this uh, one, this one displayed like what can actually happen if yeah. if nothing if it doesn't get handled. And, what and, it can we'll get in, and we'll get into what was just insane about it, which what is what made the case what it is. But and it's and it's really popular because uh, for people that obviously have seen the Conjuring series, um, the, this case that we're be, that we'll be talking about is what the third movie, which was supposed to come out this year, um, but it got moved to next year. That's the the case that we're talking about is what this third movie will be based on. And, and Ed and Lorraine Warren were the people that covered this right. case. And so. for anybody that doesn't know, any of the Conjuring movies, like any of the Conjuring series, um, the Insidious movies, Annabelle, all that kind of stuff, the same actors that you see in all those movies, it's not a coincidence that they have them play the investigators of Ed and Lorraine Warren. It's Ed and Lorraine Warren were paranormal investigators that um, went around and then ended up doing a lot of work for the Catholic Church. They went out and they were to... They were set, sent to prove that there was actually a case there before they could be approved with the Catholic Church to uh, do an exorcism, exorcism and all that. So what they did is they went around to all these places and they have all, they actually have their private museum of a whole bunch of artifacts and stuff, but they ended up selling, um, they made some books, but then they ended up also selling their stories to Hollywood and then that's how they made all these movies. And all these movies that you see, like The Conjuring, Insidious, Annabelle, all of them, they're based off true events. Now, now the movies do display and make them a whole lot more than they actually are, but they are based off true events. Mm, they pick from the stories as best as they can, really. Right. But so that's what we're <laughs> going to be getting into today, and this one is also the um, first time ever that demonic possession was used in a defense of a murder. Mm. So that was also the huge deal, and that's why this this case is also very well known. But. It's, pretty, it's honestly one of my favorite ones out of Ed and Lorraine's. Um, this is probably the scariest one too. When it comes to when, just because of the fact that it's it's something that drove 
somebody to murder another person. Yeah. I mean, which is just insane. So, but we'll uh, we'll get into that and, and kind of talk about that as we as we start. So. Which is true. I mean, that's just what people got to open their eyes to when it, when it comes to the darker stuff like this, especially when it's demonic. Man, they can they can have influence on so many things as far as hurting you or making you hurt somebody else. Mm-hmm. So that's just another um, scary thing that, that when you dive into the world of the paranormal, but. We can get straight into straight into the story. We're pretty much just going to be telling you exactly how it is of um, all the research we got and stuff like that, and then talk about a little bit afterwards of what happened and different stuff. But so it started on July third of nineteen eighty, and this was all with the Glatzel family. Okay, now in particular with the Glatzel family, it targeted a little boy, and his name was David Glatzel. He was only eleven years old. He when they first moved into the house, the, I, I guess the first um, reported paranormal incident they had was him and his little, him and all of his brothers. I almost said little because they were all little kids. Yeah, they're, so they're, and David's eleven at this point. So, so they were in the room and they had a door slam on them out of nowhere, and they couldn't get the door open to get out of the room. It was holding itself shut. They couldn't get out of the room, and they ended up. It was super scary for them. They they said, but they ended up just chalking it up as. Um, something that they didn't know about. They, they didn't think paranormal at first because they had no reason to. And anyways, that was kind of the first paranormal incident they had. Well, later that night, I believe, they had, David was the first one to see an actual apparition of the, um, what they thought was just a ghost in the house. And he saw an old man. He said he had a thin face and he was wearing a uh, plaid, plaid shirt and it had uh, patchy little holes in it. And the old man just looked at him and told him to beware, is what he told what he told David. And pushed him onto the bed. Right, and he followed up by pushing him onto the bed. Now he ran out and he told his family. He said he said the man had black eyes and a thin face, but that was uh that was kind of the first ordeal with the with the old man. Now more people in the house started to see this old man. It, re- it really escalated rather quickly, but at first. Um, more people in the house started to see the old man. They and the lady that lived in there before um, they moved in as well saw and heard the same old man that he had uh, told them about. Right. So they they um, started seeing this old man and didn't really didn't really think much of it. But then all of a sudden, um, David started having dreams, and in his dreams, he um, would have scratches. He would be getting scratched or hit by this old man. And he would wake up, and when he wake, woke up, he would have scratches and bruises all over his arms, his legs, anywhere. So that was when they, they all started getting pretty scared about everything is when that started happening. David would also go on to report that he would see the old man even with his eyes closed. Like, he could see him in the room, in, in the house, when no one else could. But he'd also see him when as he closed he his eyes. As if he almost made his way into David. Right. And that's what that's what immediately jumps out to me as far as, like, possession or something like that. Because possession just doesn't happen, like, with a flick of like the flick of a thumb, you're possessed. It, it doesn't normally happen like that, at least not for a long period of time. It's usually going to start with oppression, and it's going to gradually work its way into making its way into right. your body. You can be influenced by things to do certain things, like anger or act a certain way or something like that. But you don't really... It's not a lasting effect, if that makes sense, right away. It's not like, okay, he's gone. It's it, it's more of a buildup. And that that's like what, I, what me and Chaz were talking about before we started. That's that's something like stuck out to me as far as seeing him with his eyes closed. It's almost like he's already 
making his way inside David, which is pretty terrifying. But anyways, he the next time he saw the old man, it, it, it wasn't the old man. It was like a mutation of the old man, if that makes sense. He saw he saw this what they called as the beast. He it was still the old man, except he had animal features all over him now. And he David would say he said the man had big black eyes, a thin face, and animal features, and jagged teeth, pointed ears, horns, and hoofs. And when we say hoofs, like similar like goat hoofs. He said he had like like goat legs, I guess from if you looked at him from like his feet up and as you worked your way up it got to like the scary face a lot depicted. like the man in insidious <clears throat> that people were terrified of when that uh was a popular thing right with the guy with the red face and he has like the hooves as, as feet and all that kind of thing that's basically what i would assume that he's talking about which is also another characteristic of demonic stuff especially mm, the hooves the so. horns um, very very stereotypical devil look right um anyways and also, just pointing this out, David David wasn't a type of kid who would watch um, like scary movies or any of that kind of stuff to where his imagination would take over. If any of y'all are thinking that, they um, David was he didn't like scary movies. He didn't like anything like that. His family said so. That wasn't really nothing like that ever did go on. But as nightmares continued, he would have such vivid nightmares, and and um, they would escalate into leaving marks all over his body. That that was the. That continued on throughout um, the course of several weeks, I believe, and that's when they um, sought the Catholic Church for help. He, he, one of the nightmares that David had that um, is documented. He said that he had one of the nightmares with the Beast Man, and he promised to take the boy's soul. So the Beast, the Beast came to David in a dream, and he um, told David that he, he basically was, told him he would stop harming him if he would give him his soul. Is is what I gathered from it. Almost as 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 if like a um, like a truce, but a, in a, in a horrible way, with right. taking advantage of him because he's so young. And um, inside the house itself too, they say that um, one of the most like I guess well known places of uh, like that they would hear the most stuff in the house is inside the attic, um, mm. which is also pretty creepy. But they they went to the they went to the Catholic Church for help, and a priest came to to the home and blessed it. And but that didn't really seem to do much. It really just kind of pissed the pissed the beast off. And that's also another common thing with demonic possession cases. They they don't really like a blessing or an exorcism. Sometimes doesn't work right away. Sometimes it just pisses them off, and it takes way more multiple ones. Which and that's why you'll see in general when you get an exorcism where they'll uh, say they'll throw like holy water, anything like that. It'll you'll see it physically bother <clears throat> the the possessed human. Because whatever's inside of them doesn't like it being, you know, tormented by what they what they view as evil to them, which is which is the cross or holy anything. So, all right. And when all this started happening, um, when all this started escalating, I should say, David's dreams and vision, and he also in his daytime visions of the actual beast itself did as well. He he began to start hissing at his family and speaking multiple voices. Now that that to me is pretty pretty yeah. freaky, and the way that they have described in some like I guess interviews that you could watch, you can look it up all over YouTube and stuff. They would describe him as having like a, like a it wasn't his voice; it was mm -hmm. a, a, a lot deeper a voice. Different voice, and he would speak in different languages. Languages that what wasn't on this earth either. So yeah. that's that's like as far as speaking in tongues that you hear in the Bible and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. That that parallels straight with that. 
but and Ed and Lorraine Warren would say that that when they when they started getting involved with the investigation that uh, one time he he ran out of the room and locked himself into the bathroom and just began laughing hysterically right. and nobody could get into the bathroom yeah and to jump right into that I mean he would they would end up having to have people sit um, beside him while he was sleeping because of he him waking up and either having seizures or getting up and running around the house doing whatever they had to have people in his room at all times mm-hmm. he um which, they, which actually included so the, and people would be in there with him and, and one of those people was his older sister which was Debbie and Debbie and her uh, her boyfriend was Arnie Johnson which Arnie Johnson or is Arnie Johnson correct right and Arnie Johnson is going to be an important important part of this of this story yeah he's the one who really <laughs> um made the case I guess yeah. so well known as it is but they would have to have someone um with him because David would wake up as frequently as every 30 minutes mm-hmm. so they weren't getting much sleep in the house themselves all this paranormal activity was going on and especially with David and you can kind of tell now at this point it's it's escalating with him it's targeting him He's in the beginning stages of demonic possession, if not fully possessed already. And he's building up strength where they, they're they not hardly even able to hold him down as grown individuals. Right. So they ended up, they didn't really know what to do at this point, and the priest reached out to Ed Lorraine Warren, who actually lived in the neighboring town, but they um they didn't do just small-time cases. You know, they didn't, they didn't just come to, hey, come over here and check this out. They were literally tied with the Catholic Church, and they were sent to prove whether the case needed the Catholics, the Catholic Church's full attention, if that makes sense. So they could then perform exorcisms and what have you. And for the people that have seen The Conjuring and stuff, it, that kind of thing is, is real when it comes to Ed Lorraine Warren. So she is a psychic medium of, of sorts and is able to deal with um, seeing uh, visions, things like, uh, things like that. And uh, Ed is a demonologist. So he specialized in what he was doing in this case, which makes them like like Colin said they they're not just going to go to any other case. I mean they they're going to target whatever is is hurting a family, which this clearly was and it was and it was something that was very um very real. So and and it just so happens that they were in the neighboring town of of Monroe, right. Connecticut where, where both of them were actually from, so. And um did you did you say anything about Lorraine yet or So yeah, so Lorraine basically so what she what she specialized in for for the most part um, besides just, you know, helping in, in just a manner of, of being there and, and comforting. Um, she was able to see things. Uh, she was a clairvoyant, yeah, if that Exactly. Is. So she, like, if you've seen The Conjuring, for, for uh, example, she can uh, basically see visions of, like, um, things that have happened in the past. Right. Um, and kind of and correlate them to what's happening with the family or whatever. She so can also see people's aura and stuff like that or get yeah. a vibe if that, if that makes sense. Not necessarily see it glowing around you but get a vibe of it yeah. and get a vibe of different entities in the house, how many of them there are in the house, what have you. But when they, when Ed and Lorraine Warren first got to the house and they were walking up to the church, this is actually one of the things that me and Chaz laughed about. <laughs> but they, this, is, this is something that, we, that I could see me and Colin doing. This they, is his laugh. Ed and the priest were walking up the steps, and Ed Ed was the first one to fall, correct? Yes. Ed got tripped up like something grabbed his ankle, and he completely fell on the steps going into the house. And the priest started chuckling at Ed, and then he went to go keep walking right on past him, and something grabbed the priest's leg, and he, he busted his ass as well. Yeah. Well, me and Chad just thought that was... like <laughs> We could see something totally like that happening to us, but 
which is also at first they wrote up as a coincidence but now looking back on in interviews they think that was an attempt for the the beast or whatever to keep them out of yeah, the house yeah because so when they get in david uh they said that david was laughing at them when they when they came in they said what are you laughing at and they said the beast told me what just happened yeah which, which is you know. that's pretty freaky they <laughs> so, said the beast told him that what that they just fell but anyways um one of the one of like an exact quote that uh, Lorraine had about this case, she said, "While Ed interviewed the boy, I saw a black misty form next to him, which told me we were dealing with something of a negative nature. Soon, the child was complaining that invisible hands were choking him, and there were red marks on him. He said that he had felt the feeling of being hit, which is pretty crazy, and that kind of gives you also gives you a sense of what um, Lorraine was able to see and do as a as a clairvoyant, uh, clairvoyant, but." Anyways, it became clear to the Warrens that David was possessed, and there is some question as to what, and there is no question as to what happened next. While, hold on one second, guys. Sorry about that. All right. So, anyways, sorry, my phone was glitching out while I got everything pulled up. Anyways. They went on um, to perform investigations in the house themselves and document evidence about what was going on so then they could take it to the church. Well, the Catholic Church turned them down at first about all their evidence that they had piled up. So they went ahead with some of the priests that they knew who weren't necessarily trained as exorcists but were trying to get the job done. They, tr they tried to perform what exorcisms they could, and but they were minor exorcisms at that. So like it didn't really have a uh, lasting effect of um, helping David out at all, which, uh, Chad, you want to explain a little bit about how, I guess you could, I guess how minor exorcisms don't compare to, I guess, the real deal and how they cannot, how like often they don't, it takes multiple ones, not just one. Yeah, time. so I mean, when it comes to like demonic possession, so if, if you're heavily possessed, uh, as David was, I mean, David, it turns out that he'll end up being possessed at the end of his um, possession for about two years, which is just insane to me. But, um, so the heavier it is, obviously when you're dealing with an entity like he was, which is basically the devil, um, from everything characteristically that he, that he described as, you're going to have, you're going to have to deal with more sessions and more, uh, more kind of, you got, you have to, you have to work it out of somebody when it's, when it's so deeply ingrained in what they're doing. So if it's, if you're dealing with something, you know, that's like just kind of a regular demon, which isn't anything to like, you know take uh, lightly but it's going to be different when you're dealing with something that's heavy and this was heavy and it was something that was that was obviously uh terrorizing him and uh and it was and it was terrorizing the family in return so it was feeding off energy so you have to think that when david's getting all this happen uh to him when the family's panicking or whatever it's going to feed off of them panicking and it's only strengthening what he's doing so if you say for instance if you have people around where you're doing an exorcism the more people that are around the exorcism, the more it's going to feed off of them and their energy that they're feed that they're giving off. It's going to be, it's going to take a lot longer for it, for it to get done. So you have to really, really dig into to spiritual stuff and really, really, you know, you have to take like sessions almost to, to fully rip it out of, of the human, which can, which can harm them too. So you have to right. be careful. It's not a, it's not an easy process that I guess some of the movies make it out to be, but Anyways, during these um, lesser exorcisms, David uh, reportedly levitated and ceased breathing, and then he also gave the names of 43 demons that were possessing him. So, 
that to me is absolutely crazy just because of how many they were almost infested with uh demons at this point and that goes into and that goes into what i was saying a little bit too because so if you're dealing with man I, and i'll just go ahead and say this because this is probably this is ties in what colin's about to say so it's he the the demon uh, listed off 43 demons that were possessing the child but in reality it revealed that it was one demon so that one demon and it was what's the name that we found out beelzebub beelzebub and this this is the demon that, that goes back way back in time that is uh correlated no, like to demon. exactly and uh and, and it's like a one of the biggest demons that uh, has ever been you know put down on paper or anything like that um but, and that was what was possessing david <clears throat> so like i said when you're dealing with something like that where you have a demon that's that's basically the sum of 43 demons it's not going to be easy to get them all out, right? It's especially not gonna... when it's just one big entity that possesses all of them. And a demon who's being able to do the things that David's doing, as far as levitating and and different things, that that that's just that's some power behind that for yeah, sure. No doubt about it. But one of the one of the things that um that are well known about this case is um as far as like with the ghost adventures and stuff like that, Zach Bagans has actually just acquired um the Devil's Rocking Chair. And during these minor exorcisms and stuff like that, when David was reportedly possessed, he would go ahead to get in into the rocking chair, and he would um, be seen levitating in the rocking chair. It would be um, he'd be laughing, talking in the different voices, all this scary stuff. It was kind of centered around the rocking chair itself. Um, the rocking chair was also reported to rock on its own with no one in it it would it would also mm -hmm. levitate on its own with no one in it during the exorcisms if the uh if david was like on the bed or anything like that but and ed warren uh experienced that too he said he walked in one time and the, and the chair just started going back and forth repeatedly aggressive in right but the only people um to actually see the beast itself was david and also lorraine and david would say that he 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 reported that he saw the beast at all times. He could see it in the rooms. He could see it when he closed his eyes, everything like that. But he said that he would see the beast sitting in the chair, rocking it when when everybody else would see the chair rocking by itself, which is pretty pretty insane stuff. But shortly um, after all this, so originally the sister uh, David's sister and her boyfriend Arnie. He, they moved into the house to help with all this, to help watch David at night and different stuff like that. And during one of these exorcisms, Arnie was helping hold David down and he, he made the mistake of challenging the demon. He told him to leave his little buddy alone and take him on. So he was trying to get the demon out of Ar get the demon out of David and let it come into him, um, just because David was being affected so much by this. And he's a kid too, right? He's an eleven year old boy. So I mean, I don't think anybody else would would not do that. But that was honestly a uh, that's the worst thing you can right, do. Right. That's what Lorraine in one of her interviews she said that, that was probably the biggest mistake that, that was ever the made in his of life. The end for him, yeah. But anyways. And when stuff like this happens, it doesn't happen as far as like it's gonna attack Arnie now, not right away. It's not gonna do it. It's gonna it's not gonna do it when you want it to. It's gonna do it when you're at your most vulnerable. Well, anyways, shortly after um one of these exorcisms, uh Debbie Glatzel and Arnie chose to move out of the uh Glatzel home. Debbie um had been trying had been hired by Alan Bono as a dog groomer at the Brookfield Pet Motel. And the couple also rented a nearby apartment from Bono. Debbie um, 
they moved out and the reason that the Alan Bono, you're gonna see how that ties into everything in just a second. But they moved out and they got in this new apartment. It was their landlord. They ended up becoming friends with the guy. They uh, started going out and getting drinks and different stuff like that. And according, depending on which reports you read, um, some reports say Alan and Arnie were both drinking. Some reports say only Alan was drinking. It's just, um, we don't really know as far as all that, but they were out drinking one night. And also, I guess to backtrack behind all this, we skipped one little part. During one of these possessions after um, Arnie had challenged the demon, David started laughing and he said, someone's gonna get stabbed and he looked at Arnie. Now they wrote this off as being like, I guess, like taking it as Arnie's gonna get stabbed and then they, they literally saw what the demon predicted was going to happen. But one night when Arnie and um, Alan were out drinking with, with um, Debbie and everybody else, they, they got into an argument and Arnie uh, went ahead and stabbed Alan Bono with a knife, with a pocket knife repeatedly. Now De Debbie reported, she said that she heard growling coming from um, like disembodied growling coming like that she could hear during like while he was getting stabbed while Alan was getting stabbed. And Arnie had no recollect recollection of this afterwards. He didn't remember a single thing, which is honestly it's pretty, a, yeah, it's pretty terrifying. It's when it takes over. But anyways, that was when they, after that, Arnie was arrested by the police and different stuff like that. And that's how the devil made me do it case came to be. But Ed and Lorraine Warren were, were fully behind Arnie and they were, they were fully convinced that he was possessed as well, just because of all the events that predicted it beforehand. And, and they say this because, so when Ed and Lorraine came, um, they obviously got to meet Arnie and, uh, the rest of the family. And they noted multiple times that, you know, Arnie was a yes ma'am, no ma'am kind of guy. And yeah. Ed he, even he said, had zero uh, intention of even harming a yeah. fly. Ed so, even said that he was like, if you had a daughter and you wanted her, and she had to have a boyfriend, he's Arnie is the type of guy you'd want you to, want to be with. But when it came to the trial, Martin Manella was um, Arnie's attorney. He attempted a plea of not guilty by reason of demonic possession. And this was the first time this this plea had ever been um, tried to tried in the United States. But ugh. Lorraine Warren agreed that Johnson had been possessed at the time of the murder, and Manila planned to fly in experts from Europe and and uh, Rome, where the priests where the priests had went back to after um, after the uh, exorcisms taking place on David. He. She she wanted to fly those in, I guess, as witnesses to what happened with David. And what ended up happening is, is the judge shut it all down. The judge didn't want any of the evidence that Ed and Lorraine had gathered. They he didn't want to be and this is Ed 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 talked about this in one of his interviews and he said that he he didn't agree with it, but he understood it. You're dealing with the murder of a man, which is not something that you can just look at and say, Okay, well you're you're telling me right now that, that some demon possessed you to kill somebody. You're not really going to believe that, and I, and you can't fault the judge or anybody, um, for that matter, for for thinking that that's kind of uh, suspicious or kind of a cover up or whatever it might be. But what ends up happening though is that he gets charged with manslaughter, and he only ends up serving. I think it, his sentence was four years in prison, but he ended up being able to do two because I'm assuming. 
He was a model prisoner. That's what they yeah. said. He, he didn't I have mean, literally zero behavior problems whatsoever. And which the, kind of furthered the the, the possession murder. To, uh, right. And what, like another thing it too is is like how the the judge wouldn't let any of this evidence in the courtroom because he didn't want he was not going to be the judge that allowed the first ever case of demonic possession to get someone off of a murder. He, he you can't do that and or you can he he didn't want to at least be that guy even though that's that's what happened. But Arnie, um, he only did a limited amount of time. Even though he got convicted, everyone also kind of knew what was going on at that house. And everyone believed it, so they weren't really... He had to do his time, but they, they also weren't going to keep him there his whole life, if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, you also have to think about it on the side of the, of the Bono family. I mean, you, you're dealing with somebody that just got killed, that, you know, had no in, uh, intention on hurting anybody else. But at the same time, you had a guy that murdered him that had no intention on hurting anybody either. It was just right. kind of a just an insane encounter and this it's just something that, that ties the story in so well which is just insane uh but i guess that's why you make movies about it so yeah for sure i mean <laughs> they all this all this was happening with arnie at this point the warrens are having to kind of do double duty as far as david and with arnie now in trial and stuff like that um because david's still david's still demonically possessed at this point he has not um he hasn't nothing's changed with him He's still having the dreams. He's still levitating, throwing things. Um, Ed said that it got to a certain point where he was getting so strong that it took five grown men to hold uh, an 11-year-old boy down. Mm -hmm. So that just tells you the strength that this demon was, was portraying. But the Ed and Lorraine Warren, the Catholic Church, with all this media attention at this point, the Catholic Church really turned their backs on Ed and Lorraine. They, they um, completely did not want to come out there and do anything or send people out from Rome to do it who were who have been trained and specialized in exorcisms they um they kind of wiped their hands from it and didn't want the bad publicity but so Ed and Lorraine took the took the Glatzel family up to Quebec and in Quebec there was a priest there that had specialized in exorcisms and his name was Father Deschamps now Father Deschamps he was um he specialized in I guess a very um classical form of exorcism um that was uh a little different than everybody else did it but powerful. right it was it was a little more powerful and he took it took the it took him 30 minutes reportedly and the demon was completely exercised out of uh out of david and now some of you might be like well if it only took 30 minutes with this guy what, what was so different well he was actually trained in it up until this point they haven't had a had a real full out exorcism take place. They've had the minor ones that, that will sometimes work, but if it's a stronger demon, like we said, it's not gonna it's not gonna do the trick every time. It's gonna it's it's gonna take a lot. But he got the he got the demon out, and during this um during this last exorcism, they said that windows in the church began to shatter um without any reason. That the pews were uh, moving around and throwing around. Books were flying everywhere. The boy was screaming. Um, the demon was coming through and one of the priests actually used himself as a medium. Um, he was also, I guess, sensitive to different things, kind of, kind of similar to Lorraine. And that's when they revealed the demon's true name, um, that it was Beelzebub. And which to me, that name is just so scary. I mean, yeah. these, <laughs> especially when you connect it with like a devil. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's just a scary name or like something like it's something that is obviously like, just like, na like not native. It's not something that's just like a, like a regular name. Right. It's definitely something that's completely different. Or like Zozo, like the demon of Luigi boy, like different stuff like that. That's just, 
like names like that, I don't know. They just give me the chills. But anyways, he that was when they learned that it wasn't necessarily 43 demons, but it was the Ark Demon Beelzebub, and which I guess is the equivalent to 43 demons. Mm -hmm. But that was also why it took it was so hard to get him out. But after that, um, David was he was he didn't have the demon in him anymore. It was a long road to recovery as far as feeling right, but he. He still reported seeing the demon even after even after all that happened. Not as frequently, but he would pay him visits, is what David would say. Mm -hmm. And he took credit for Arnie. He took credit for everything that happened. Um, it, it was documented with Ed and Lorraine of him talking through the boy when he was still possessed, taking credit for Arnie and doing that, and saying that he was going to kill again and different stuff like that. But that was the, that was i guess the kind of the wrap up to the whole story they got the demon out of him in quebec and they came back home the demon continued to visit him um i guess however often and he also visited arnie a few times reportedly by arnie arnie when he got out of jail he was a uh the same guy he was before completely nice they have their own business have wife and kids wife and kids now debbie and all them right i mean it was almost like nothing really ever happened and they also managed to track down how the um the family became i guess demonically infested it wasn't the land it wasn't anything like that they they went on a snowmobile trip on february 16th and some people they met up there that they thought were they thought were friendly and they wanted to be friends with them they actually were um demon worshipers satanic satanic worshipers and in order to uh get more power and um I guess continue their worship just the way those those type of people do things they um cast a curse a death curse on the glatzel family while they were up there and they met these people on february 16th and that is the exact day that one year later that arnie killed um alan bono with a knife which is also pretty pretty crazy that's insane that's something else you'll see with these type of cases, man. This is just not, it doesn't yeah. seem possible. Numbers, different stuff like that, they always come around to mean something. Dates, times, um, and all the coincidences adding up. At the it's end just, of the day, with this kind of stuff, this is why, like, whenever me and Colin talk about the stuff that we usually do, like, when we go out and investigate anything like that, this is why it's, like, it's so, it's so something that you can't not take serious. Like, it's, you can't, like, take a break from, like, what you're doing to to try to brush something off is not anything crazy you have to take everything that you do and you deal with that kind of stuff so serious because the repercussions that, that come with with certain things like this obviously like this case it's just you can't you can't come back from it like you can't just say like you know say if me and colin were to be out somewhere and, and, and you know a demon were to come through spirit anything and say you know like i'll kill whatever or you're gonna kill whatever you can't just kind of hear that and just think like, "Oh wow, that's crazy." It's mm. kind of something you have to you have to take you take seriously serious, and you have to make sure that whatever is coming through to try to talk to you, don't let it don't let it get you know too far into to to you as a person. So, because some of these priests that help deal with deal with the Glatzel family, they um some of them got in car wrecks on their way home after after one of their one of their minor sessions. Um, I think that happened to two or three of them. Almost all the priests who dealt with the minor exorcisms that didn't take place, that or I guess that didn't take root, um, almost all of them except for one died of uh, heart conditions not long after all this happened. Um, which also could be a coincidence or it could be something else at play that um, was very powerful that influenced all these events to happen. It's just kind of 
kind of how these things go. We, uh, I don't know. I mean, stuff like this is super interesting to hear about, but you just gotta, gotta be careful yeah. as far as all, all that kind of stuff goes around. Cause there are people that can help you with it, but like we see here, it's not a easy process to get. Mm -hmm. And the Catholic church can say, uh-uh, and just turn, turn their back, especially when they're getting some bad, bad publicity from it. But exactly. But that's, that's about so. And, and like we said, this is, you know, this is coming on film, uh, it was supposed to be this year, but it'll be coming out next year and it'll cover the story that we talked about. And it's just like, it's pretty crazy to, to see a case and, and go over a case and then, and then realize, you know, like they're putting this on one of the biggest film series uh, of horror movies ever made. It's pretty cool. But, you know, Colin, anything else, man? I guess that's it, man. Uh, glad y'all tuned into us again. Uh, like we said, we want to do something a little different this time, and I think we we were successful in doing that. This is something. Yeah, if y'all if y'all like more of this stuff, please let us know. Um, as far as famous cases and different stuff like that goes, we uh we're really into that kind of stuff, and it gets us a little bit, I guess, away from talking all about us as far as our investigations. But we can do more of the Warren cases. Um, you know, Annabelle, The Conjuring, all the I, all the famous movies, the real stories behind those. Those are uh super interesting to me. Yeah, but. And as always, you know, shoot us a message or whatever. Like we said, we're going to be doing some uh, solo stuff. Uh, make sure you hit Colin up with some stuff and questions and all kinds of stuff about um, hunting and all kind of, or anything for that matter that you're interested in hearing from, from him. And uh, I'll be dropping more football stuff, sports stuff, you know, just stuff to keep things switched up. And uh, I guess we'll, we'll see you guys next week. So, yeah. Just want to take a second of this episode to give a quick shout out to Drop and Drake Southern Apparel. Established right here in Georgia by one of our very close colleagues and Colin's brother, Austin Hendricks. You can check out dropanddrake.com to see all kinds of Southern Apparel ranging from hats, shirts, hunting equipment you need to make your attire the best attire. Message Colin and I or visit the Drop and Drake Instagram page and website for more information. And thanks for listening to Grab the Mic.